Hello, Theologizers. Welcome back. I'm one half of this outfit, Ben, here with my brother. Hey, it's Brett. How you guys doing? Benny boy, how you doing? I'm straight up chilling. Um, so this week, we're going to be discussing, as I posted on the Facebook page like three weeks ago, but Brett was having major computer problems. Um, once again, the devil is after our, our ministry and our witness. So the devil possessed Brett's computer for about three weeks. Um, but we hired a, a very cinematic priest to come and exercise the devil out of Brett's computer. And fittingly, this week we'll be talking about angels. So mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about uh, what's uh, sometimes in theology called angelology, the theology of angels. What the heck are angels? Why, uh, why should we think that they're real? What is their role in the Christian narrative and Christian thought? Um, and yeah, what, what I, I guess maybe the big picture question is, I think one thing a lot of people think of Brett is, even a lot of modern Christians, is how can we in the modern world believe, right, in little... Um, precious moment, you know, style floating naked babies or, or robed, typically Aryan white dudes with, uh, with wings that are just kind of gallivanting about the cosmos. I think that's what a lot of people think when they think of angels, right? They're kind of incredulous mm -hmm. at that idea. But, but yeah, so what do you think? What do you think is the kind of, the kind of cultural perception of angels or any starting thoughts about that the cultural perception of angels is exactly how you just described it unfortunately like so many things in the christian tradition you know we're very much influenced in our imagination by you know christian art and how different aspects of, of the faith and of, of jesus and the the angelic and demonic realm are portrayed in that art it has a, a heavy influence on people's imaginative perceptions of <laughs> what uh, the faith looks like, how the faith is colored, especially what the spiritual realm looks like and consists of, because it's something that is totally outside of our experience. So we we need some some sort of image um, or images that we need to that we, we have to cling on to in order up for us to think about otherworldly things and things right. that are beyond the physical universe. So uh, I think a lot of people, when they think of angels and demons, uh, even people who, who know that the images that we have from Christian art over the centuries is not, <laughs> not correct. You know, it's just the way some artists chose to kind of uh, symbolize what these creatures looked like. Um, right. We are a product of Western civilization. We're a product of, of, you know, 2000 years of uh, Christian art and we cannot help ourselves. I think even the best of us, <laughs> right. but to think of uh, angels as uh, white flowing robes, like blonde hair, halos and giant wings. And, uh, right, and, uh, and, 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 and they, pro they probably talk like this. Hello. Greetings. I bear a message from the Lord. Demons would be more like, <laughs> Hey kid. You, you want some drugs? You want some spiritual drugs? You want some sin? I got all types, toots. <laughs> that yeah, that's like that's like um, <laughs> that's like a sh a street corner uh demon, you know, yeah, kind of the yeah. guy who has a trench like, coat in an alleyway, middle of the road. But you also have your little toady demons who are like small and like yeah, boss, come on, let's get him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the two little guys from uh, Disney's Hercules. Pain. And panic. Oh, reporting for duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And then you have your big, like, um, whatever that guy's name at the end of Fantasia. Like, Night on Bald Mountain, like the King Angels. Like, I am the King of Demons. Yeah. yeah. Different levels. Beelzebub level. Yep. Yep. And then there's Satan. Satan is just like a wily coyote, like little like goateed like guy, like running around like with big eyes, and he's always tiptoeing and he's always poking things and people with the with his pitch. Yeah, I never got the the little like 
pointy goatee and mustache thing. I, I wonder like culturally how that became like a symbol of being like sinister or like clever or something like that. Like, well, why, why, why can't, almost, why, why can't the devil just be like straight up clean shaven? You know, because I, th I think if you're a wily, a wily guy, like you gotta have yourself like a little curly, uh, like 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 chin patch or a mustache to kind of stroke as you do wily things. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where that originated from. That almost if, seems. If, like if, you're, if you're thinking, if you're thinking of committing spiritual antics, you have to have some something to twirl around your finger as you do so. Yeah, you got to be flipping a coin or something. You know, some yeah. sort of. Uh, you got to have your little thing that you do. Yeah, <laughs> flipping a coin at a tripping Christians as they're trying to walk down the sidewalk of. Of holiness and then pointing and laughing as they as you you trip them up yeah yeah i i don't know i mean you know i de i definitely am working on rehauling my imagination just on my view of god of christ obviously of the spiritual realm what's to come when we die like angels and demons because you know that can that can like subconsciously like affect like it, it kind of paints everything you know even though imagination is just like created images it can it can still kind of steer you closer to truth or further from truth so you know unfortunately i think the images we have especially in the modern in our modern society are probably not the best images that that we should be working with um yep. as we use our imagination to kind of capture what are we dealing with in the christian faith so I completely agree. And I, and I also think kind of like I was indicating before and related to what you just said is uh, the, the images we have of things can can also be a barrier to people taking the faith seriously, right, from the outside, right? I, I think it, it's easier to kind of feel like your credulity is strained if when you think of like God, right, you think of like an old bearded guy in the sky that or someone hurtling thunderbolts, or if you think of the devil or angels, you think of these kind of Sunday school coloring book pictures. It, it, yeah. it, if, that, if there's always that association, I think subconsciously, when you think about Christianity, you're wondering whether it's a kind of rational worldview. It's easy for that to kind of subconsciously influence you in a kind of like, ah, it seems kind of naive, right? Mm -hmm. Seems kind of childish or like overly almost cartoonish, you know? And again, a, a lot of this is the fault of how these things are actually portrayed in church and growing up and so forth, you know, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and you know, I know this episode's on angels and demons. We talked about like God being an old man with a beard. Like we know where these images come from and that comes from like Greek mythology and mm -hmm. like. Yeah, well, most of the images of, um, the kind of like goat legged horned th that kind of image of satan is really a, um an adoption of i think the greek god of the forest pan right so those are originally yeah. the and the kind of like goat association the goat horns and stuff like that is isn't that kind of like uh yeah pan isn't that kind of an influence of that christmas movie too whatever it's called uh <laughs> krampus Krampus. Isn't he kind of like an ancestor of Krampus? Uh, yeah, well, Kramp yeah, Krampus, I think, is just the same thing. I think the art was descended from depictions of Pan there as well. Yeah. So let's talk about, though, let's try to get past the kind of cartoonish images and cultural tropes and talk about the different ways that the kind of reality in Christian theology of like, what are angels supposed to be again? And like, what is their function in Christian theology and, and salvation history and so forth. So I think maybe the first thing to, to point out is even the very term angel can be misleading, right? So like angel in its original context just means messenger, right? Hmm. I don't, I don't, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, yeah, so in its original context, angel just means like messenger, like a spiritual messenger from God. But when we think of angel, we think it's it's almost like a natural kind term, like tiger or uh, or frog. But it's actually mm -hmm. it's, it's just a job description of of a particular kind of spiritual being. 
But because we have that one term, I think it easily misleads us into thinking, oh, there's just this one kind of spiritual being. So we kind of picture them all in the same way, right? There's just this one spiritual kind angel and there are good ones and bad ones. But I think that's actually a very misleading and, and probably incorrect picture of the non-human spiritual realm that you get from scripture. So you do get some other terms. So uh, one of the main terms, which might be surprising for some people, is gods. There's a sense in which, and as a quick reference, so a lot of what I'm about to say is, is uh, gleaned from a certain Old Testament scholar I like uh, named Michael Heiser. So if anyone's interested in getting more into depth with some of this stuff, uh, look up Michael Heiser. That's H-E-I-S-E-R. Anyway, so the idea is that if you look at the Old Testament especially, it seems like the assumption is actually not necessarily that the gods of these other nations, even from Yahweh's perspective, don't exist. The assumption is that they're lesser. They're not the creator God, right? So they're not the kind of one source of all creation and like highest authority, which is Yahweh. The but sheer that act mean of being itself. Sorry, exactly. I was saying the sheer act of being itself. We still believe in one triune God, capital G God. Exactly. But, um, yeah. Right. The, but the existence of lowercase g gods, these kind of lesser and created, right? So they're creatures, they're portrayed as creatures, just like we are. Um, but other spiritual creatures, sometimes they're just referred to as gods, right? The gods of these other nations, right? Like Baal or Marduk, right? These other gods. Um, and then it's just when some spiritual being shows up specifically to deliver a message, it's just referred to as messenger or angel. So I think there, so there's this category of just like gods, right? So these are these, these very powerful kind of territorial spiritual beings. Then there are some spiritual beings that are messengers. And even those, like there's sometimes indicated they have other things that they're doing. So there's a famous case where I think it's where the Archangel Michael is first introduced in the Old Testament, where uh, one of the prophets, I think um, either Ezekiel or Elijah is waiting for a message from God and it's being delayed a really long time. And then Michael shows up and he's basically like, oh, sorry, I was, uh, I was delayed. It's like, like Lord of the Rings, right? When Gandalf is delayed uh, getting to Frodo. Oh, I'm sorry, Frodo. I was delayed. I actually wonder whether Tolkien kind of took it from this, but so Michael shows up. He's like, oh, sorry, I was delayed. I was, um, I got caught up fighting with the Prince of Persia, um, where like the, the connotation I, I, apparently in the original language is like, this is another spiritual being, right? Or the God of Persia, the Prince of Persia, basically whatever the, the territorial spirit over Persia, over that territory is. Michael says he was delayed with some sort of confrontation with this other spiritual being and that's why he's late <laughs> in delivering this this message yeah and then you get in a lot of the later visions of the prophets you get these kind of more special terms of like cherubim and seraphim and they have very wild descriptions of you know having you know six wings some are covering their faces or there's a lot of like fire imagery or some have like um are portrayed as having um multiple faces of different kinds of creature right like the, the face of a leopard and the face of a crocodile or whatever um, and they and they're not referred to as quote-unquote angels they're also not referred to as gods so all that to say there there's a kind of wide variety of ways in which these other spiritual beings are talked about that isn't easily just kind of distilled into oh there's this one kind of spiritual being and it kind of looks this way and they all kind of do the same thing seems to be a much more kind of rich, maybe hierarchical tapestry of the spiritual realm. So uh, do you have any thoughts on any of that stuff, Brett? Some of that Old Testament picture of spiritual beings or just your own reflections on that stuff? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, the Old Testament speaking to, you know, different, seemingly different kinds of, of spiritual beings using different names, I, that falls right into at least where my intuition already takes me so in a sense i'm not surprised i actually i didn't know that there was those other names i, I was unaware that some of some of these spiritual entities were, were referred to as gods um or some of the other names that you had 
you had given examples of. I, I thought it was pretty much as a, either angels or angels of death or demonic powers. Mm-hmm. You look around the physical world that we inhabit and just the the variety and the the beauty in all things, you know, whether it be in mm-hmm. nature or whether it be the variety in like the animal world or the variety um, of, of different, you know, different looking human beings. It, it's just... And and that's what that's what creates the beauty is is the variety all the all of the colors all of the different plants and different different landscapes in the world and then you look out into the cosmos and it kind of rep- it represents kind of the same beautiful kind of variety that's what makes this universe such a wondrous place to to live in and then you know so we're, we're thinking about the God who created it all. And we know that there's other levels of spiritual realms because you know the Bible refers to these. We we have to believe that they are on par, if not more so, filled with with variety and 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 just interesting, you know, aspects and like whatever the equivalent of like you know different forms and colors. You know, the spiritual realm would it would have to have you know just as much variety in it as we see in the universe, if not more so, you know, with filled with what would be the equivalent of, you know, colors and, and, and different living creatures and plants, dance, whatever, whatever that would be in a spiritual realm, which we probably can't even comprehend. I would put my money on. It's even more of a tapestry of variety than, than we see in our own universe. So, because that would only make sense. I don't think that things would get more simplistic or more dull once you move beyond the veil of this physical reality. I mean, if, if God is behind this physical reality, we, we see what God is like. We see what his creative nature is like. So if there are created beings and created realms beyond the physical one, we believe that they're filled with just as much interesting things things to to look at and to do and just as much activity as there is you know in the physical universe and yeah. movement and things happening so uh the fact that we're we're seeing different entities being called different things comes as not as much of a surprise to me um and i think that that actually i think it's it's a it, it i think it would help the average believer to know that you know in scripture it does talk to to different sort of beings so we can really start maybe getting closer to the truth and how we picture these beings or how we picture or understand the spiritual realm. So I completely agree. Yeah. It would be odd. You're right. But the character of, of God and his creativity is displayed in such almost infinite variety in the, in this right kind of level, quote unquote of reality, the physical realm. Why should we think that the spiritual realm where God's creativity would just be kind of more bland and have less variety. Yeah. I think, I think when we think of like the word spirit, since we're so used to like spirit being equated to like ghost or like apparition, like I think that we think of the spiritual realm of being like less colorful, more like see through more grays and whites and more darkness. Cause I think we also associate it with like, the darkness of of outer space. I, I feel like we just think of like this kind of misty, um, fleeting kind of dark grayish other, like almost like weird floating reality. Yeah, we, we don't yeah, that kind of that kind of touches on some stuff we talked about in some earlier podcasts about yeah how we have a tendency to think of the spiritual realm as the kind of almost less real, less concrete as opposed to the more ancient Christian and, you know, Platonist kind of way of thinking about it was, no, it's actually the opposite. It's actually the, the kind of more spiritual you get, it's kind of more and more real. Um, And it's actually this kind of level of reality is in a way the most like shady. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it brings much, when you think about it that way, you have, you have much less fear of death and moving on um, much more hope <laughs> because I think a lot of hope, it's like hope is, is rooted in like future life, like with a capital L. So I think that, you know, it gives much more hope to, to, to really think of the spiritual realm, which I think is getting close to the truth of being this more weighty, 
more real place filled with the same variety and the same adventure and the same story that kind of that we see here in this life um, in this world um, because our hope is rooted in like a future that's filled with life a future that's filled with uh, adventure that's filled with a story that's filled with like things happening and just you know what I mean like that's what our hope is rooted on is in that so when we start to to align our, our, our imagination and our minds with more of the reality of what the spiritual realm will hold I think it helps out greatly just for us to have hope and have less fear of death and less fear of what's beyond mm-hmm. yeah so. I completely agree yeah so that's the kind of picture we get in the Old Testament and yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, because it's, it's almost a trope in Old Testament scholarship, right? That at least the earlier parts of the Torah um, seem to be quote unquote polytheistic, although that's misleading because again, I, it's it's not polytheism versus strict monotheism. It's more of what's sometimes referred to as henotheism, where there's one source of all being or being itself, one creator God, but there are these lesser kind of gods of very powerful spiritual entities. I mean, you get that kind of picture. But then transitioning into the New Testament, I think, again, people have a very oversimplified picture of the the variety of language um, we get for this stuff in the New Testament. Just the sampling, right? So not only do we get, which we do, we get the language of angels, angels and also rebellious angels or angels who rebelled, like in the book of Jude, I think. But then we also get the language, of course, this is where the language enters of demon. We also start getting the language of unclean spirit, um, which might or might not be the same thing. Um, And then I think most interestingly, and there's been more work in New Testament scholarship done on this in more recent years, is Paul's language of the powers and principalities. And I think there's a good argument to be made that it's that language, the Pauline language of powers and principalities, where he's referring to a class of spiritual beings um, that most connects up arguably with the Old Testament language just of gods. So whenever Paul talks about powers and principalities, he's talking about, he refers to them as these kind of like ruling authorities in the heavenly realms. So the language seems to be a lot higher, like something high, a lot higher up on the hierarchy, arguably, than what you see with some of the language of angel or unclean spirit or demon in most contexts. So Paul has this idea that the powers and principalities are the spiritual authorities that are the kind of primary ones that kind of have creation and bondage. And the primary of these powers and principalities, obviously, is Satan. And a lot of people would be surprised to hear that both Jesus and Paul refer to Satan not as a demon, but as the prince of this world or the god of this world or the god of this age. Um, so again, it seems to fit more with this idea that there are certain spiritual beings that seems like are very high on the hierarchy right, of influence over creation and that were initially given this influence but then became wicked and abused the their influence and that it's primarily because of their negligence that earth and creation in general is kind of in bondage to sin and death yeah it's interesting because you think of satan as like the end all say all like rebellion and you know according to scripture it definitely sounds like he's the the end all say all of of the rebellious power of of this physical universe but who's to say there's not other rebellions going on in other realms you know we don't have the slightest idea of the complexities or the levels or what other creations whether physical or spiritual are out there you know, I've got to believe that if God is an artist and, and, and he's drawing everything to himself, that there's more than we would think. And it's just interesting to hear the Bible speak in terms of hierarchies and princes and like gods that with lower G or demonic powers over like certain areas of, of the physical earth. It's like, oh, my goodness. Wow. There, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot going on here. <laughs> I still, yeah. you know, I still think that obviously we we root ourselves in in, in Christ and in His love. You know, the Bible makes that 
abundantly clear that all of our hope but it's just interesting to to you know start thinking about what all is happening though you know like beyond yeah. what all is influencing kind of what comes to pass and like what right. what the the human drama that we see playing out every day it's like what you know what i mean it's just very interesting yeah i think it's also it is important for for christian theology to recover right because i think especially in paul's theology right of salvation is that especially as protestants we've 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 tended to have uh, uh many protestants tend to have a kind of reductionistic view of salvation where it's it's just kind of about like me and my sin and god which of course it is that as well but paul seems to have this much more uh, in addition to that uh, a very cosmic aspect of salvation and part of the the kind of so where salvation is kind of cosmic liberation you see this throughout paul's letters it's kind of apocalyptic language of cosmic liberation and so then for paul at that level well, well what are we liberated from at this more cosmic level and paul's answer to that is the powers and principalities of the air the god of this age right sin and death with a capital s and a capital d it's pretty epic when you start to think about it yeah it is <laughs> and i, I think mean, that's why we're again we're so attracted to stuff um like the lord of the rings and the kind of fantasy genre and, and those sorts of stories i think the reason it's so compelling to us and almost has a ring of of truth and beauty and goodness to us is because the those are um fictional microcosms of the narrative that we're actually kind of living in i think that it actually cr creates more of the reality of you know god's high view of humanity a high yeah. view of a high of high view of anthropology because all of this stuff that's happening is like these these like wars being waged it's like high stakes you know, everything's like, seems to be like very, a very high stakes situation. And that goes to show you how much we are worth as, as created human beings that we're not just little like pizzly ants, like running around the earth. And they're like these giant, like more like epically more important, like demonic and angelic power. We're just like these little, yeah. like, like we have say, so we're, we are very important to the story. And obviously you know, there's a lot of weight into our creative beings. So it also shows that, man, you know, when when the Bible speaks of the worth of human beings, like it, the it, it, it's not taking that lightly. It's not it's not just blowing smoke. Like every single created person is deeply loved and important, you know. Mm -hmm. And the the biblical revelation of these powers and principalities and these angels and just this more grandiose story, I think, really speaks to that. I can really agree, and I think, and I think another aspect of that observation I think, is a totally right observation of this kind of high high anthropology is that there's an eschatological aspect where, in the future, for example, in the New Testament, we're after we're glorified, right, in our final state, we're described as right fulfilling our original vocation but in an even more glorified way as kind of um co-rulers right we're described as we're going to be co-rulers with christ in place of a lot of these original cosmic rulers right who abused their authority and it actually says that we'll sit in judgment over angels that's a pretty wow. crazy idea does it say that yeah Mm -hmm. Am I a bad Christian for not knowing this right off the bat? Like I'm like, well, oh, I say that's the thing is a lot of this stuff is like sprinkled throughout the New Testament, and so it's easy to kind of read over it quickly because because you're not looking for it, right? Because because we're like I had to just like get into some of this literature and listen to some of these interesting people, you know, because it's easy to miss because we're trained to only pay attention to certain themes, you know. Yeah, especially like in the recent like church, a very low view of humanity, <laughs> in my opinion. And it goes to show you that you you told what to pay attention to in scripture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So in one of the gospels, in one of the gospels, I think it says in our glorified state, it's something like we'll we'll shine like the stars in heaven, or we'll be like the stars in heaven, or we'll be like the angels in another place. What, again, it, what's easy for us to miss, like including myself, right? Unless you, until you look into some of the literature on this stuff, is in the ancient context, 
they thought that the the stars, right, literally the stars above us, were spiritual beings. So these are like um, ensouled spiritual beings in the heavens. So I'll, even a lot of the language of what humanity is going to be raised up to is associated with this the kind of idea of what well, we're going to be these much more glorified, um, higher, though still human, right? but radically transformed uh, beings in some sense on more of a level with the powers and principalities and angels and so forth. The way in which we'll be transformed is like, we'll be kind of lifted up in the hierarchy, maybe is one way to put it, right? Both in terms of our authority in creation, and also in terms of um, our existence in creation, right? We'll be more like um, angels and, and the glorified Christ and so forth. Yeah, theologizers, I don't know about you, but that that's a pretty cool thought. You know what I mean? Because it totally aligns with a lot of the analogies and a lot of what you see in like creation as well. Of, you know, the analogies in the Bible of us being like a seed. And we're mm -hmm. in like a seed-like state and then we're we're destined to kind of sprout and become, you know, a beautiful tree or plant or what what yeah. have you right yeah so um, so paul says we're in terms of death he says we're what is uh sown right is corruptible um what is raised up or what grows is incorruptible right? it's it's a pretty beautiful thought and you see it in creation too you know what i mean you see it with the caterpillar turning into the butterfly i know there's you know there's other examples of of something that that seemingly goes down into a death-like state mm -hmm. and, and is like resurrected into, right. I mean, obviously Christ is the ultimate example of that. It, it kind of contextualizes our lives, right? And, and it almost, it makes our lives make a little bit more sense, yeah. <laughs> you know? Or even the struggle. Story of a, this whole story of evolution, right? You could, it's a kind yeah, of evolution as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, because I mean? then we look at we look at our lives that, that, you know, a lot of times we're struggling, like, it seems like it's unimportant, one step forward, two steps backward, you know, all this stuff. And, and we get if we keep in mind that we are a seed, <laughs> pretty much, you know what I mean? And we're destined for something beyond our imagination. And a lot of times we think of heaven as like, you know, we love to quote the verse of like, no ear has heard or eye has seen the things that God has in store for us. And that's a beautiful verse if we if we get kind of get back to the root of it. But we I think a lot of us just kind of think of, oh, we're going to have like a golden mansion and some toys. It's going to be a really cool car in heaven or a really cool house, you know, a big, but big house. <laughs> Lots and lots of room. Lots and lots of room. I don't want to be in a big epic dormitory with a bunch of like weird like Christian evangelicals, man. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. Yeah, but, we know Jesus can't, people. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like when you think of like no ear is heard or eye is seen, you got to think of your own being as well. And that's pretty cool that you're you're destined for such beauty, such such love and such grace and such peace to just be oozing from your being and, and authority and yeah you know I, what i mean like yeah i feel like one of the best depictions of that is um how the redeemed are portrayed in c.s lewis's book the great divorce um it's a very short book probably my favorite book of all time so uh, another big recommendation for any listeners for sure yeah so we've talked about kind of the place of all this stuff in Christian theology and in the Bible, angels and Christian theology and the kind of biblical narrative. But I, I still bet there are a lot of people that are thinking, as you know, I myself can get in the moods like this. Yeah, that all sounds really, you know, epic and interesting, but it, it seems so far removed, right, from our kind of day to day experience of the world, right? We don't see any of this stuff. Uh, we don't really encounter causally much of this stuff. Um, so it almost feels like, oh, it's just too fantastical to be true, right? So I, what, what would you say to someone that was thinking something like that, Brett? You know, I think we, we, we could all probably struggle with that at times because most of the time in our lives, like, it's kind of not epic. It's kind of mundane. <laughs> we're just, you know, we're in routine, you know, we're driving places and going to the grocery store. So I think in, in those moments, 
yeah, it can seem a little fantastical, but we all have moments where we feel like we're finally kind of awakened to a deeper reality, awakened to the reality beyond, you know, mm -hmm. where all of a sudden we kind of see our story. We get a glimpse of into the reality of maybe what's actually happening in our life and the storyline of our lives, or we get just a glimpse into the absolute miracle of our existence, you know, kind of what we were more in touch with when we were children that we kind of lose touch with. Slowly but surely, you know, we I think we get more and more glimpses into what's beyond. But in, in the meantime, we're almost sleepwalking, I think, in this life. And I think that's important to remember that the more maybe mundane things in our our lives in our days like that is not more real than the ultimate reality and even those moments where we feel more alive that is less real it, it's almost like we're mm -hmm. we're kind of veiled to what is true you know like we're almost living in a, a less less of a truer state um, again, I think that we slowly learn to, I, I think that chant, the, the universe is an enchanting place. It's all around us. Or we almost have to train our eyes to see it. You know, like Paul says, you know, renewing our minds from one state of glory to the other. Like, it's almost like right in front of us. Just like I feel like God's presence is right, like is indwelt in the human spirit. Yet we don't, we just don't recognize it. So I think when we think, oh, that's just too fantastical, this kind of these angels and demons, all this epic stuff happening, or that doesn't align with what I'm seeing on my day to day blunt reality. Like when you catch yourself when you say blunt reality, it's almost like blunt, uh, what's the word for not, <laughs> like, 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 like not something less than reality, I guess, less than, than true. So, I think that's what I would say to people that you're actually what you think is more real is actually less real. Mm -hmm. um, you just have to pray that God gives you his eyes and, you know, slowly kind of unveils what's actually happening here. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess I would just add to that again for my typically more, a little more philosophical perspective, or at least these are things I might tell myself <laughs> when I'm in a mood like that. We all get there. We're all there, obviously, yeah. at times. Yeah, so I, so I would say two things right, to someone thinking that, uh, just to add on to the, the other really helpful stuff he just said. The first thing I would say is, well, it's actually just not true, right, that people never, it's not necessarily true, right, that people never actually come into contact with any of this stuff, right? <laughs> um, actually, it's been a ubiquitous part of human testimony across history and across different cultures if if you don't just begin by assuming that all of this testimony is false and it's all just hallucinations or crazy people or whatever right which of course some of it probably is maybe most of it is but i do think it's noteworthy that even today and throughout all history and across different cultures people have claimed to have experiences even today many of whom, if not most of whom are otherwise not, you know, deranged or prone to hallucination or anything, have claimed to have experiences of non-human spirits, whether they thought of that as demonic or whether in more ancient cultures they thought of it in a kind of animistic way, right? Some spirit of a forest or something like that, or however they described it, right? Or a ghost. I think the point is that, again, if we don't just kind of beg the question by assuming all of that testimony is false, right? You can explain all of it away. Then you have to take it seriously, right? At least on its face, that maybe you just assume that this kind of realm never interacts with our own in the kind of mundane world, quote unquote, just because you personally have never experienced it doesn't mean other people haven't. Yeah, that's very so that'd true. Be, so that'd be the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is that the degree to which you should expect to have some sort of causal or perceptual contact with a certain phenomenon is relative to whether you think that's the kind of phenomenon that you should expect that from or should typically expect that from. So there are tons of even, even natural quote unquote phenomenon, right? Like what's going on at the quantum level of the universe, right? Or before we knew anything about DNA, right? In the cellular level and the subcellular level, gravity, right? And like 
how gravity has to do with bending space-time, uh, dark matter, all these sorts of ideas that just kind of come from science, right? These are phenomena that are exerting a constant influence, right, on the everyday observable world around us, but that we can't observe, right, or experience directly. And so I think that that all this stuff we're talking about is just kind of the more personal, um, spiritual version of that sort of stuff. From a Christian perspective, God has just revealed to us that just like there's a lot of the phenomena in science that we can't directly observe, there's just like quantum phenomena or gravity or a lot of these other things that exert a powerful influence in the world around us, but we don't really see, or that is not not easy to detect. From yeah. the Christian perspective, it's been revealed to us that there are many spiritual realities that are more personal and non-physical um, that are also exerting an influence on the world around us in that more personal historical way. But we're just not equipped with the kind of faculties we currently have right, in the usual case to detect any of it, right? Just like we're not equipped to detect dark matter or quantum phenomena, we're equipped to kind of indirectly infer it. And in this case, we infer it from right revelation and things that have happened in history, right? Um, so I would just say, you know, th there's just a kind of analog with that. Like we, it's just the sort of phenomena, again, we're not currently equipped to, to detect, right? But arguably there are certain special cases in which we can, you believe some testimony and maybe in the future, right? in the redeemed creation will, will be able to experience and detect a lot more of that stuff directly. But right now we're just, right. Just like there's certain things, uh, lower life forms can't really detect or observe that we can. A spy, there's a lot about the world that a spider just can't experience and, and could have no concept of, even though it's exerting huge influence on a day-to-day. -day. But we can know about and we can detect those things. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. It's funny. It's like the more modern science tells us, the more it aligns with uh, kind of parallels <laughs> with uh, what we see at the deepest levels of of the makeup of the universe and kind of this, what the scripture kind of speaks to and, you know, Christian theology speaks to as, as being like principles and foundations of the spiritual realm, which, you know, if God is the source of the expected, yeah, there's, I don't, there's almost different levels of reality to the, the, the physical universe. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you're talking about like dark matter and black holes and all of this, like, light and like energy that's like undetectable you know what i mean yeah but we can only detect the kind of effects of it and infer in our theories yeah. that there must be something like that yeah even like the, the the foundation of like the physical universe you know scientists are now telling us it's it it's a form of of light like that's like the constant of the entire cosmos and and you know of matter being the atom the scripture speaks to god being light and the triune god of you know self giving love between three persons the, you know the atom has three particles and it's just fascinating stuff yeah. some of this, these new discoveries coming out of this the scientific world you know that's why just as a side note the the whole debate between science and religion is absurd yeah and that's for that's for a whole other episode <laughs> <laughs> anyway i don't even i don't even care to get into that anymore i just i'm totally beyond it but there, there's a little <laughs> kick, kick kick to the nuts to richard dawkins like, I, I guess that's the cool thing to still do sometimes is like the new atheists like they got anything you know okay oh man press press duncan on the new atheist yeah we'll have a whole episode <laughs> on, on religion and science and that whole phenomenon and, ben give me your best uh, richard dawkins impression uh let me think. What would he All say? Right, don't. Jeez. I'm putting you on the spot. Because instead of just saying, oh, well, the knobs were tuned to the right values anyway, you say, oh, there was a God who knew how to tune the knobs to the right values. And if you're going to postulate that, then you've, in a sense, sold the past. Oh, so yeah, you can't put you on the spot. I, I, it has to, a good impression has to like <laughs> well up like a spontaneous energy. I'm expecting you to immediately give me some gold, man. But I know better, man. I put you on the spot a few times in this podcast, and I need it. And I know you don't you're like whipping me, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> no. I trust me. I'm. I'm good at impressions, man. But if you're putting me on the spot with someone I usually don't do, you're killing me. I know my my bad. Dawkins isn't the kind of the easiest one to do. So anyway, I mean, I can always do Kermit the Frog here. Hmm? That 
episode fully on Muppets, man. I can't wait for that one. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to do our Muppets episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> basically what the spiritual, realm, the spiritual realm is just like a bunch of Muppets. I live in the Muppets universe. Shoot, that'd be awesome. Well, what do you what do you think, Brett? You have any other any other thoughts on angels and spiritual realm and all this crazy stuff? Um, well, I, I think a, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. If where if scripture actually says this, but like, does it actually use the term like guardian angel in scripture, or is it a man made thing? <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of it. Maybe I. I mean, they must have gotten that from somewhere. But yes, I think the whole like worked out theology that like, oh, every person has their own personal guardian angel. I don't think you can find that anywhere in scripture. Like maybe it's true. It's a cool but, thought. I, I, I think that's a cool thought. It's almost yeah. like you have like a friend who you'll he'll, you'll one day know and you'll know that he was with yeah. you or she or it, whatever, yeah. was, was with you all along. It's kind of cool. It's yeah, kind of like a personal comrade who's like a sign to you. You know, that's yeah. yeah. That's I, I think that's a comforting thought. It's kind of a cool thing. I agree. Um, another I get another recommendation on you typically C.S. Lewis, right? The screw tape letters where it focuses on a, a demon that's assigned to a particular person. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure towards the end, it's also revealed that he also always had a guardian angel. That was right. So it's just like a sense of camaraderie. You know what I mean? Like 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 your horse or something. I'm not equating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. Man, you're, your guardian angel is standing behind you with arms crossed, shaking his head right now. He's like a freaking horse. Are you kidding me? He's like, if you could see me right now, he's like, you're basically my horse. So step back. I don't know why I thought of that. It just, I'm trying to think of something that's like your comrade. I don't know. And then like, I think of a horse or right like but an epic version who's a lot better than you and an infinitely more intelligent new version of a horse your angel's like i'm no freaking mr ed toots hello i'm mr ed a horse is a horse of course of course and no one can talk to a horse of course that is of course unless the horse is the famous mr ed I don't know. I just think it's cool to have a comrade. You know what I mean? Like, heck yeah, man. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like the because he know he wouldn't. You get a real personal sense of like a spiritual being that's for you, that's fighting for you, that knows you. It's just kind of a cool thing. Yeah. So I don't know. That that's a cool thought. Is guardian angel. I don't know how much scriptural credibility there is to that. Um, but I I think that's kind of an interesting idea. Um. And the other one is, is like, and we'll wrap it up here in a second, but um, the idea of, of angels taking like human form, you know, and the fact that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these accounts of people thinking they'd actually run into an angel. And I think, I think scripture does speak to that somewhere where it says, it does. watch yeah. what you do because you could be speaking with an angel. And like in the old Testament, when those two men, to Abraham or Abraham Abraham yeah yeah there's three three men three angels yeah yeah but anyway so I think that's pretty cool too to be honest with you because that's like a blunt that that's almost like you could you can think back through your life and think I I, like talk about having contact with the spiritual realm I mean you wouldn't know it at the time you would never be sure of it but it's cool that that's an actual possibility that you could have been physically kind of made eye contact or spoken with an actual angel. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And there are a lot of stories like that. Um, so someone in our in our family, um, I won't give the name just in case, but you know the story, Brett. I think so. They were they were driving on a highway and they uh, flipped their car off the road. A really bad accident or car was upside down the side of the road and they said that, that uh someone pulled them right they were um you know it's still in their seat belt you know upside down i guess and someone pulled them barely conscious out of their out of their car and uh, away from their car um and then when the uh the medical people actually came like there's that person had just left they didn't they didn't see any car around or anything like that and yeah yeah, I have heard that story. That's that's really cool. It just to me, the, you know, the, the the what I'm taking away from you know this chin is it's like 
it, to me, it reveals even more the heart of God for, for us, his creatures, you know, that he even has angels looking out. You know what I mean? Yeah. This high view of humanity and just how much weight God has put into us, you know, and, and stake and, and, and love. I mean, it just goes back to our God hanging on a cross, dying for us. It's just, it, it all, the whole narrative is, it, it kind of all points back to God's care and, and, and love for, for us as human beings. So I think anybody thinking about angels and demonic powers or other spiritual beings, like don't think of it in the caricature way, but let, let all of this discussion, all of these realities just point you to the, the character of God again, you know, point you back to God being epically creative and creating these beings, all of the the stakes that he's put into creating you, you know, or these epic creatures we probably couldn't even begin to fathom are, are battling for our souls, you know, not that we need, mm-hmm. you know, we believe that God in the end is obviously Victor capital V with humanity, but um, the, the process of free will is still God really just fighting for us, you know what I mean? And just wants us to come to his arms and, it just it all points back to God and it all plays into just the epicness of our existence, even though it doesn't seem that way sometimes, you know, I think that's why we're drawn to stories like Lord of the Rings and like Harry Potter and some of these fantastical stories, because it's like there's a lot going on in, in actual reality. You know, these 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 stories are coming from our imagination and our imagination can't even comprehend the complexities and the realities and the epicness of what's actually happening. So it's just it's just a cool thought. If you ever feel yeah. like down in the dumpster, like like life is dull or like there's no hope, this subject can even help you, I think, in in its own way. Yeah. To bring 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 hope back to you. So anyway, there's my long winded weird answer. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again, uh, theologizers. Um, I think at least towards the end of the month, uh, I want to do. Hopefully, we can organize it in time. Uh, a special Halloween episode. Speaking Heck of spiritual yeah. stuff. So that should be fun. Um, it'd be something, you know, just like Christianity and, and the paranormal, Christianity and ghosts, that sort of fun That'd stuff. That'd be awesome. Yeah, not really talked about that often among among Christians, except by saying, no, it ain't a ghost. It's all demons, I tell you, you know. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that stuff. We'll, uh, we'll probably have some, you know, Disney's uh, Haunted Mansion uh, songs and stuff to, you know, sprinkle in there and it'll be fun. For sure. I'm excited. And I'd love to do a Christmas episode too. Around oh, Christmas oh yeah. yeah, obviously. It's going to be the episode so, to end all episodes. Yeah, we love Christmas. So can't wait. Good time of year. It's the best time of year. Uh, sometimes I think maybe God just created the world and did everything he did just so we could have Christmas. Oh, yeah. Talk Christmas. about a high view of humanity. I, I have a high view of Christmas. So yeah. I love it. <laughs> love it. All right. But Halloween's pretty cool too. So, yeah. Yeah, All right, sure. so we'll we'll see you soon, theologizers. Thanks, thanks for checking in. Deuces. Yeah. See you, theologizers. See you next time. This is the Theo Bros podcast. 